Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Great Up Sports episode six. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to today. As always, we got the Gophers, we got the Vikings, uh, we got a little Wolves, little uh, Wolves over under. We'll start with this. Uh, the Gophers led the show going into the weekend. It is only fitting they lead the show coming out of the weekend. And before I go into any points about this Minnesota-Nebraska game, it's not me who owes anyone an apology. Tanner Morgan actually owes me an apology, not vice versa. And I'm going to tell you why. You're going to say, well, Brett, didn't you pick 42-17 Nebraska? I actually didn't even remember the exact score until it was pointed out to me this morning by someone. Shout out to Henry Dorgan for that one, for reminding me how just how far off I was in that prediction. So I said Nebraska 42-17. I thought they were going to be way more creative offensively. They definitely were. I thought they were way more talented offensively and defensively than Minnesota was. And I thought part of the reason was the quarterback battle in terms of Adrian Martinez versus Tanner Morgan. Now, if you would have told me at the beginning of this season, if you would have asked me, who do I want on my team, Adrian Martinez or Tanner Morgan, I would have taken Tanner Morgan. If you would have asked me at the beginning of last season who I would have taken on my team, Adrian Martinez or Tanner Morgan, I would have said Tanner Morgan. If you would have asked me up until about week five of this college football season around the Bowling Green week, when that I believe it's the very same week that Nebraska beats Northwestern 56-7 and Adrian Martinez has 400 total yards and then Tanner Morgan throws for like 55 and two picks against Bowling Green. Up until that week, I would have taken Tanner Morgan over Adrian Martinez. And so when I come on here, in my short-lived reborn podcast career. And I come on here for what is my fifth episode after shouting from the rooftops how good, how underrated Tanner Morgan is. After all of that, I finally come in here and I say, you know what? I'd rather have my quarterback, Adrian Martinez, over Tanner Morgan. I'd rather have the guy who's second in the Big Ten in passing and leads all Big Ten quarterbacks in rushing and accounts for basically all of Nebraska's total touchdowns. I said, I want that guy over Tanner Morgan, who may have been too reliant on his two first-round picks over the last two years in Tyler Morgan and Rashad Bateman. And so I went up there and said that. And you know what Tanner Morgan did after all that? After I defended him for years, he threw it right in my face against the only Big Ten team, the only college football team I like and care about more than the Gophers. He decided now was the time to have his best QBR of the year. He decided now was the time to have his best completion percentage of the year. He decided now was the time to throw for multiple touchdown passes in a game. He also threw multiple picks. One wasn't really his fault. The other one was a really bad throw, but his two intercept or his two touchdown passes, excuse me, were two terrific throws. He was throwing the ball down the field. He was close to 10 yards per attempt, which is about the gold standard. Your quarterback every year in your conference is going to take about it's going to take about 10 yards per attempt to lead your conference. So he had conference leading quality stats just like he did in 2019 when I would sing his praises for anyone who would listen. At one point he completed 17 straight passes before Cam Taylor Britt interception broke him up. And all of that all of that is the week after I defended him for 2 years was the week I turned on him. And that's what he did. And now you know what? He's got me back because he is a senior. He is a leader. I can't really say he takes great care of the football this year, but he generally takes great care of the football. And now the Gophers, by proxy of beating Purdue, beating Nebraska, who, by the way, the advanced metrics still love Nebraska, still love Purdue. 
Um, obviously they love Purdue, I mean, but they still love Nebraska. So my point in that is that's not me defending Nebraska and the way they played on Saturday. My point is Minnesota fans just watched themselves try to give the game away to a not great Nebraska team at three and four, who's now three and five. My point is by many, many metrics, that Nebraska team is still very, very, very good. So that's a good, good win. It's a very high quality win. And now based on that, you're going to have to deliver this week against another team who I still think is under the radar after getting blown out by Michigan and Ohio State. A lot of people would get blown or excuse me, by getting blown out by Iowa and Ohio State. A lot of people would get blown out by Iowa and Ohio State. That's Maryland, especially when you throw six interceptions like Talia Tonga Viola did against Iowa. That'll make things very difficult. But now Minnesota, who is up to 28th in SP+, 28th in overall college football efficiency. So it's not just the record. It's not just the quality of wins now because even though it doesn't seem like it, wins against Purdue, Colorado, and and Nebraska, that's pretty solid. It's better than a lot of teams have early in the year. If you didn't have the one bowling green blemish, you would for sure be ranked right now if it was only the loss to Ohio State as the only loss of the season. So let me back all that up. I kind of lost track of the point there. What I was getting to going in is this game against Maryland features the Gophers who are 28th in SP plus and overall college football efficiency against Maryland, who is 29th in SP plus overall college football efficiency. And this is now a huge game for Minnesota against a sneaky good team. Minnesota also proving to be a sneaky good team. This will get them ranked. If they win, they control their destiny for the big 10 West, which I still think doesn't mean a ton because if you have to be reminded like Minnesota and Purdue have that you control your own destiny, you probably don't actually control your own destiny, but that's beside the point. They now begin a stretch on their schedule that starts with Maryland. The toughest part of this three game stretch that includes Maryland, Illinois, and Indiana, they could very easily, very, very easily be seven and two going into that daunting stretch to end the year. So that's a huge win against Nebraska. It comes at the expense of Tanner Morgan making me look like a fool after he made me look like a fool for different reasons for months, months, and months on end. But it's a good win. The the defense held up well. Um, both teams tried to give up the game. Tanner Morgan with the two second half interceptions. Uh, but Minnesota's defense responded really, really well, much better than I, than I thought they would, especially considering the way they looked at times. Nebraska showed that some of the option stuff that I mentioned, some of the creativity stuff would work, would gash them. Um, and then when it was time to shut them down, they did. I think Nebraska at one point started four straight possessions in Minnesota territory with a chance to take the lead. They did not take the lead. If they never did, obviously the safety, the gift wrapped safety from Martinez, that's a huge play in the game that completely changes the game when Nebraska looks like they have all the momentum. Um, so clutch plays from the Minnesota defense. And again, plays that showed they are capable of stopping teams with good athletes because Nebraska does have very good athletes. And that was my big concern for Minnesota, especially with the linebackers and the second level. They proved that they were just as athletic as them and they held up very, very well. So it's a good win for, or a good win for Minnesota. Hate that it came at the expense of Nebraska, but that's the way it's got to go sometimes. And uh, now I'm probably going to be paying a little more attention to Minnesota than Nebraska as the year goes on as uh, one, one has a chance to, to win the Big Ten West. I don't think they will. It's still Iowa's to lose. But Iowa showed a lot of problems in that game. We'll touch on that a little bit. Obviously, it came down to quarterback play, and it was, it was that simple. It was Aiden O'Connell pitching a near-perfect game for Purdue, and everyone realizing that Spencer, Spencer Petrus and the Iowa offense – 
are not that great. Iowa has been aided a ton, a ton, a ton by turnovers. Like I said in the open, they picked off Maryland six times. They got four picks against Iowa State. I think they got three against Indiana. They've gotten a ton of interceptions, which is great. You can say they're ball hawks. You can say all of those things. But tip, tip balls, interceptions, turnover margin as a whole is generally unsustainable. It's generally unpredictable at all levels of football. And because of that, you found out that Iowa's inability to actually move the ball down the field, it became an Achilles heel much earlier than we thought earlier in the year because it came against Purdue. And when Purdue was taking care of the ball, Iowa didn't get a lot of turnover luck. They got down early. Spencer Peters was forced to throw the ball. They had to play from behind. We found out that Iowa couldn't really play from behind. and They're going to have to play from behind a lot more if they had to play from behind at home against Purdue. So Big Ten West, still Iowa's to lose. But I think, I think Iowa is still pretty vulnerable. I think I said that last week. I, I think I did say last week that Nebraska was going to be the team that got them. Obviously, that's not true. Uh, moving on to, to the Vikings real quick before we kick it over to myself and Carson Ohm, the fellow host with me and Brett and Carson's basketball show to talk a little Wolves over under. We'll go to the Vikings real quick. Let's start with this, the prayers. The Kirk Cousins down the field, the Clint Kubiak calling plays down the field. The prayers were answered. Kirk Cousins goes 8 of 12 for 190 yards on throws of more than 10 yards down the field. Dalvin Cook is back. He goes for 140 yards. Kirk, by the way, throws for 373 total. Uh, Cook runs for 140. 90 of those come behind the left side of the line. So that's very good for Christian Derrishaw. Made his first start. Uh, didn't allow any prior, didn't allow a single sack in his uh, however many dropbacks he was out there before that's a pff number not from me i don't know the exact number so that's all that's all the good obviously the bad is you have to finish games i i don't know actually here i'll say this i I was gonna say i don't really know what happened but if you force the 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 good say the good thing i should say about forcing a team to convert twice on fourth and six or greater is that you force them to fourth and six or greater. So yes, especially on the heels of the Lions game, I think the heels of that Lions game caused people to way overreact to what happened in this Panthers game. Yes, the Panthers marched 98 yards to tie the game. That's not a good sign, but they converted twice on fourth down. It wasn't really fluky isn't the right word, but my point is things like that don't typically happen. And so, yes, you can play the one side of the coin, and maybe I'm being too positive. You can play the one side of the coin and say, yeah, duh, it doesn't happen. You shouldn't let a team go 98 yards down the field to tie the game in a game that you led and controlled by 10 points with four minutes to go in the second straight week. No shit. I'm not saying that's a good thing. No coach, player, fan, or any of it would say that that's a good thing. My point is when you look at it statistically, When you compare how the two quarterbacks played, when you look at how the Vikings defense played versus the Panthers defense played, there's no way that you can tell me that the Panthers were a better football team than the Vikings in that game. And so eventually, which is the way it should be, eventually the better team won. And to me, that is all that matters is that the better team eventually won the game. Like I said, we'll run through it one more time. But Kirk Cousins, leading Vikings passer, goes for 373. Leading Vikings rusher, Dalvin Cook, goes for a buck 40. Leading Vikings receiver, Adam Thielen, goes for a buck 26. On the flip side, 
Panthers, leading passer, Sam Darnold, 207. That's on 41 attempts. That's less than five yards per attempt. Five yards per attempt, week in, week out, is near the bottom of the league. The Vikings had one of the best defensive performances. Their secondary for three straight weeks has kept quarterbacks near the bottom of the league in yards per attempt, QBR, and expected, or expected points added EPA per play. Again, it's against Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and Sam Darnold. But very encouraging thing that those guys are not torching them. Then Chuba Hubbard, 61 yards. DJ Moore, 73 yards. The Vikings outgain the Panthers. Here's the big number, 571 to 306. Their third down efficiency, 7 of 16. Panthers, 2 of 12. Obviously, the Panthers, 2 of 2 on the fourth downs. Uh, Vikings get four sacks. Panthers get none. All of that to say that that's the kind of stuff that matters week in and week out. Not whether a team converts two fluky-ish fourth downs on you. If you consistently outgain teams and you consistently get pressure on the quarterback and you consistently convert more on third down, which the Vikings have now done the last two weeks. Again, I know that you can say they may have given these games away and they shouldn't have been that close. But if you're process-based, which is what all these coaches are and what you have to be in the NFL, if you outgain teams big, you get more pressure on the quarterback than they do, and you force maybe one or two more turnovers. Like I said, turnovers can be fickle sometimes, but you generally play a style of football that causes quarterbacks to be under duress and force more turnovers. Like that first play of the game when Sam Darnold threw the pick, it was a coverage sack, just a great job by the Vikings secondary. If you play a style of football, play in and play out, series in and series out, that's the stuff that matters more than anything. And the Vikings have really turned the corner. These last, these last four minutes of the last two weeks have really tainted the fact that the Vikings are playing really good football and football that you would be very, very, very beyond happy if you just looked at the box scores. You would be beyond happy after that Browns game, the way this offense has moved the ball, the way this defense has gotten pressure, and the way this defense has forced quarterbacks, even if they have been bad quarterbacks, into bad decisions. So all of that stuff is the stuff that really matters, not the stuff that happens at the end of the game, the heart attack, cardiac Vikings type stuff. Because obviously, like I mentioned many times, you do not want that but that's part of what happens. That's just part of what happens week in and week out. And I think if the Lions thing didn't happen the week before, we would all be much happier about this Panthers wins. But instead, let's just be happy about both. It's hard to win in the NFL. The Vikings are three and three. And with that, we're going to transition into this conversation to a team who wins a little bit less. Here's myself and my co-host on Brett and Carson's basketball show, Carson Ohm. You can listen to that wherever podcasts are sold as well. Here's us breaking down the Wolves over. Minnesota Timberwolves, 35 and a half. I've thrown this stat anywhere people listen to me. I've thrown this out. Eight and seven over the last 15 games when Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell both played Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Anthony Edwards did not all start a single game for the Wolves last year. Yes, they only won 33 games. Final thing, though, Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 12 rebounds under Chris Finch. Also, people forget that Carl Anthony Towns is a historically good shooter, maybe the best shooting center of all time. 50-40-90 candidate for Cat, 25-12. and 12. I think that alone, if he plays a full season, can get the Wolves over 35 and a half. I also have convinced myself 
happened to the killer D'Angelo Russell break re breakout year for D'Angelo Russell to go on top of his 2018 breakout year. He's re breaking out. And because of all that, the wolves go over mainly because I really do believe that Cat and D'Lo will both be in the all-star conversation this year. Maybe it's because I listen to you too much. Maybe it's because I like Cat too much, but I like this Wolves team I'm going over. Uh, the the thing you forgot to mention, two things actually, but one of my favorite, they signed the net, Patrick Beverly. That's true. The Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves might have a tough guy. It's culture shit, and Might have a tough guy for the first time in a decade? A decade, maybe? So, like, I, if Pat Bev, if there's anyone in this league that can get the T-Wolves to toughen up in any regard, it's probably Pat Bev. And, like, he's not high enough on the totem pole where he's going to piss off Cat like Jimmy did. He's just going to be like, hey, like, we got to play harder. Eventually, like, if you got a guy on your team who's just, like, Energizer Bunny playing hard all the time, you either, like, A, hate that guy and he doesn't play for you, or B, you're like, all right, like, dang, he's playing hard. I guess I better die for this Luke Ball, too. Like, fine. And then eventually, like, they figure it out. And the other guy you didn't mention, who who I love, who's my darling, Jaden McDaniels. I knew you were going to say McDaniels. <laughs> get this kid the ball. Get him Get him on the floor. He's versatile. He can, he can play def- – He's the defense to Cat's offense. Like, he's not going to be that elite as Cat is on offense, but, like, he can at least give the Wolves some sort of defensive presence. And he's super, super, super switchable. And he can guard pretty much anybody. So, like, I like it. I like the coach. Uh, I like the way they're headed. The The GM thing's a little weird. Um, the Malik Beasley off-the-court record, a little weird. I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, them all getting on the floor at the same time doesn't have a great track record, so I don't know how that's going to work out. But like, if they can get, I don't know, two of those four guys to play seventy games together, feel decent about them. They got to be better than twenty three wins. They're going to be improved. It's going to be close to this number because they're in the West. Um, but. They got a pretty good shot at it. So, yeah, give me the over. I like the Wolves. You mentioned uh, the Pat Bev toughness thing. Another thing, if you talk about overall toughness and just overall defensively in terms of big switchable wing-ish players, because two guys I'm going to mention aren't really wings, but you have McDaniels. You also have Naz Reed who can guard people down low. He's pretty good. Love Naz Reed. Love him. And then Torian Prince, who's kind of a 3 and D guy at the power forward spot. He can guard – two, three, four, maybe five, too. So you have a toughness that has not been there defensively with just having big switchable guys because the Wolves haven't had big switchable guys really in as long as I can remember for the last 10 years that you just look up and down their roster and you're like, these guys are going to get torched defensively. And they were 28th in defensive rating last year, 20th year before that, 24th year before that, 25th year before that. So obviously that is held true. They haven't been great defensively. So you do think – just a little defensive improvement for them too does go a very long way. I think probably like all teams in the NBA, they're going to go the way their superstar goes. If Cats had a hell of a two years, man, like personally off the court, I wouldn't wish what he's been through on anybody. And it seems like he might be able to kind of get his feet under him, plant himself and kind of regain his balance a bit. And if he can be aggressive and lead this team and 
have a killer instinct on either side of the ball. Um, I like their shot, and seems like he's probably in the best space to do that that he's been in two years. Um, because I've liked this roster for two, three years. Delo's not like great or a leader or anything, but he should be able to fit a scoring guard role. Um, probably their biggest issue is the defense. So if they can find guys to patchwork uh, 20th in the league and 18th in the league on defense, they're going to score a lot of points. And if, like you said, those four guys, those four guys at the top can play together, um, they're going to score a bunch. And Ant is a freak, an absolute freak. So even if D'Lo doesn't work out that well, I kind of like Ant just taking over that scoring guard role and playing a whole bunch of pick and roll with Cat. So um, give me the over on the two goals. Uh, yeah, and can definitely do it too. Average 24 points on 46% shooting after the all-star break. So like wasn't at the beginning of the year, it was a lot of real cheap. We want Anthony Edwards just to get mm-hmm. going for the sake of keeping our number one pick happy points. But after the all-star break, he was a, I mean, he was a legitimate scoring guard. Wasn't much outside of that. You can, you can still knock him yep. for some of those things, but in terms of being a scoring guard, he was 24 points for, Two and a half, three months. Last thing, too. Here's a stat I just found. Pat Beverly, 11 playoff series in nine seasons compared to the Timberwolves, 11 playoff series in the last 32 seasons. So maybe a little Pat Bev culture change coming in for the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. Obviously, needless to say, I'm also going over. I uh, sneaky think they might go 500. I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching some Wolves. I don't know what I can get the Wolves in the play-in game, but – Sneaky. If I can get like three to one, Wolves is the 10 seed. Look out. I would take the Wolves as the 10 seed at three to one, two to one. Even, maybe. I, 500 seems like a stretch for a team that went 23 and 49. Um, but, you know, they have been healthy. So there's a shot. Not, not bad value there. And, and last thing, people, people around the league, they say Chris Finch is that guy offensively. So if he can – like you said, minor defensive improvement, maybe get to 20th. That offense under Chris Finch was 15th in offensive rating over the last two months with Chris Finch as coach. You keep that up. All you got to do then, I mean, that's a team that wins 38, 39, 40 basketball games. And maybe you win mm-hmm. 40 basketball games. You're 40 and 42. That might be good enough to be the 10 seed. Who hey, knows? Also, might I add the 10 seed last year? 33 and 39. See, there we go. Just 39 yeah. wins. Does 38 wins get you there? Maybe. Something to 30, 37 good. Who knows? Something, yeah, something to keep an eye on. San Antonio. Carson will definitely be joining us throughout the season. Uh, he, he knows his NBA. He knows his Western Conference. He's a great guy to to have around uh, just to be a resource, just to bat around some NBA stuff. So like I said, he will be batting around some NBA stuff with us throughout the year. The last thing I want to touch on this, this came out, I'm recording later in the afternoon. So I'm glad I am because this came out later. Uh, I guess you can call this gray duck after dark. Carl Anthony Towns. Is Carl Anthony Towns a killer now? The quote about how he gets himself fired up these days. Watches two gorillas fight to the death before games. That's his new plan. So 82 gorillas are going to be heroes. 82 gorillas are going to perish this year, all as a part of Carl Anthony Towns' quest to lead the Wolves back to glory. We did not have that quote, like I mentioned, uh, before the over-unders. That would have been a, a mega over. It's already a mega over. I already said above 500. But if I would have had the Carl Anthony Towns quote 
about how he's watching gorillas maul each other. That's the mindset we've long, long needed from Carl Anthony Towns. Somewhere Jimmy Butler's smiling about that. Somewhere Jimmy's like, yeah, I fucking taught him well. Um, another quote real quick, uh, D'Angelo Russell said something not similar, but had another wild quote about how his mindset for the year is just to kill everyone, kill everyone in sight. So I think the Wolves are going a little crazy. Um, I think it could become, it could be a recipe for going more unhinged, more quick, but I like the intensity. I like the fact they want to be killers. I like the fact they want to rip people apart this year because there hasn't been that gene on a Minnesota Timberwolves team in a long, long time. And I like that it starts at the top with their best player, one of the best centers in the league, one of the best centers in NBA history. Remember we talked about with Phil Ford, how he could win the MVP this year. I want him watching gorillas rip each other's faces off. That's also because I could do a whole podcast about how interesting gorillas and their social structures are. So Carl Anthony Towns, he's probably done his research. He knows in order to be the alpha gorilla, in order to be the gorilla who eats first, fucks first, bathes first, he's got to go beat the shit out of another alpha and go steal everything from them. It's kind of how the NBA is. Not a bad metaphor. You want to put dinner on your own table? You want all your dreams to come true? They got to come at the expense of someone else's dreams. So I know Carl Anthony Towns has done his guerrilla research. And for that, I respect him. I respect him as a basketball player. I respect him as a person. And I respect him who understands one of our finest apex predators on this planet. That's the show. I don't have a guest lined up for episode seven, but we'll talk Minnesota, Maryland in depth. Probably talk a little more wolves and wild as well. And we will see you on Friday.